0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of the Practical Parsha podcast with Rabbi Shlomo Kohn. If you have not heard any of my other classes before, my other podcasts, Positive Perspectives by Shlomo, or Pirke Alvo's podcast, welcome. And if you, have, if you are a listener to some of my other podcasts, thank you for coming over. I'm really excited to be starting this podcast, this third one, together with you. God willing, I hope to share two or three ideas every week on the Parsha that is practical. That means ideas that we can take out from the Parsha to improve ourselves, to make our connection to Hashem, to God, stronger, and to just be better people. I hope you enjoy. And if you have any questions or comments or feedback, please feel free to reach out to me at rabbishlomokom with a K at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Baal Parsha's Baal starts off with the commandment that Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu to tell Aaron, to tell Aaron Cohen that he has the special responsibility and the job to light the menorah. Rashi points out the reason why this week's Parsha of Baal is next to this last week's Parsha of Nusso. Last week we talked about the inauguration of the Mishkan and how every one of the Nasiim, the leaders of each one of the, the tribes was commanded to bring a special sacrifice in honor of the the beginning of the Mishkan, the, the inauguration. And Arana Cohen, after going through the the special special occasion of the Nasius of the Nasiim where everyone was, was called to bring a sacrifice, he was not called. He was not invited to bring a carbon. And our own thought, he became down, he became upset that maybe God was upset with him. Maybe he was not forgiven for his, I guess, his perceived um, involvement in the golden calf. So therefore this week we start off with Bahaloschas the, the special commandment that Hashem commands directly to Aaron Cohen to light the menorah. <clears throat> and the the commentaries explain the Medrash I believe says that Hashem told Aaron Cohen. he was telling Aaron Cohen that your portion your your job is even greater than theirs. You know the Nasiim brought carbonos, they brought sacrifices but your job of lighting the menorah is going to be even greater. Because what the Naseem did, the leaders of each tribe did, it was a one time thing. They gave the sacrifice and they were done. But your job of the, of the menorah is going to be for eternity, right? And we know that the, the menorah lighting was something that was done in the base on Migdash every day. And even nowadays, that we don't have a base on Migdash, we don't have a holy temple, we still light menorah. Every year on Hanukkah, so it's something that the Jewish people do till this very day. Now the question is: Is why is this the job that was given to Aaron as the special job that only he could do, that he would get, and that was it was better than any other of the sacrifices that the Nasiim would get that the Nasiim were going to do. And if you think about the question a little more. It becomes even clearer because if I'm going to say that you're going to have a special job and that your job is going to be even more desirable and honorable than anybody else, it would be logical to say that no one, should, no one else should be able to light it except for you. But we know that the Rambam, he rules that the menorah could be lit by somebody who is not a Kohen. And the commentaries explain how is that possible? Only a coin was allowed in that area. And there's different novel interpretations that are given of how the menorah could be lit. Maybe it was taken out of the sanctuary or maybe a long stick was used, but maybe that's for a different time. But either way, the question is, is why is this job so special? And it's especially, you know, it's even more of a question if the job itself can be done by other people. So the first answer that I saw which really is a beautiful insight, is that the job of the menorah was, was more than just lighting the menorah. You're right. Even though theoretically someone else could light the menorah, it could be light by a non kohen it could be lit by a non kohen What Hashem was telling Aaron was that he was giving him a special job that only he could do. And that job was to light the fire of the of the, of the next generation, to create the leaders, to to enable someone to be the best they can be, and this idea really is brought out by the fact that the Mishnah in Avos says that one of the things, one of the I think, believe the first Mishnah, it says that that one of the th- the three things which the Anshe Knesses Hagadol said to do, which they said was to Yamod Tamidim harbe, was to raise up many Tamidim. And the question that's asked is why does it say Yam Yamidu It should say it should, why does it say a wording of stand up many Tamidim? It should say a it would be more appropriate to say teach many Tamidim. To to learn with many Tamidim. What is this expression of stand up Talmidim? And the answer that I heard given is the fact that the job of a Rebbe, the job of a teacher, and you know, for that matter also a parent and anybody in a position of leadership is not that they should teach to be overbearing, but rather it's the job to raise them up, to stand them up, to be on their own. And that's something which is very special, right? A teacher, what, is, what, do they, what does a teacher want ultimately is that the student should be able to function by themselves in society. And the same can be said for a parent. That what a parent's job is not to just boss a child around or to tell them, you know, to feed them and clothe them. Obviously, that's their responsibility. But they have also a responsibility to stand them up, to make them self-sufficient, that they could exist in the world without them, that they should function as a regular member of society without anyone helping them. That's part of being the job of a parent. And that's the same for a teacher as well that they should be able to enable their student to think on their own, to be able to process, to think, to learn, to, to develop thoughts, and to perform mitzvot in the proper way. So what Hashem was telling Aaron Cohen was that I'm giving you a special job, to light the menorah, that even though the menorah could theoretically be lit by someone else, by someone who's a non cohen the message is that He was telling Aaron Cohen, I'm going to make you the, the leader of the Jewish people, that you're going you and your children are going to be the, the leaders of the Jewish people to light the fire, light the menorah of each and every Jew to, to make them realize their potential and to be the, the best they could be. And that was the reason why it was so special, the job that Aaron had to light the menorah. Another explanation which, which I saw is really brought out by a beautiful story. Shlomo Hyman. Was one of the early Rosh Hashivas, head rabbis of Yeshiva Vadas in Brooklyn, and a famous story is brought down about him, that there was once a major and big snowstorm that hit New York City. And on, and that day, Rabbi Shlomo Hyman was supposed to give she'er, his give his class to his groups of students, and when the students, when and when Rabbi Hyman got there. He saw that there was only four students who had come. Normally, he would have many, many students come to hear his lecture. But since it was a snowstorm, people decided. They took the liberty, snow day, I don't have to come. But only these four came. And Rabbi Shlomo Hyman was known to give his classes with a certain level of fieriness, a certain level of, of intensity, giving his whole self over to give over an idea with his emotion, with his being. And when he got up to give the class that day, he still gave it in the same way as if there would be a thousand students there. The same, the same passion, the same intensity, the same emotion. After the shear had ended, one of the students approached him and asked him, Rebbe, you know, there's only four students here today. Why did you feel, you know, why did you give over a class like there was a thousand students in the room? And he said to him, He's he said to his student as follows, he says, I wasn't giving class to four students. I was giving a class to a thousand students because one day you're going to be a teacher and you're going to say over my idea and you're going to say it over to your students and then those students are going to say it over to those students and so on and so forth. And there's going to be thousands of people that are going to hear this idea. So if I don't say it over clearly right now, it's never going to be given in its proper way and Torah will be lacking. Many times we... You know, people do big actions. There's a lot of, there's a lot of smoke. There's a big boom. It's, there's a lot of fireworks. Some people do certain things. And what happens when a firework goes off? It makes a huge explosion. But after a few seconds, the, you know, it looks very nice. But after it, you know, a, a moment or two, it just dissipates. Right? That huge explosion and the t- tons of light. But then it's gone. And at the same time, you could have small actions, which no one necessarily notices, but they can have eternal ramifications. And they could be small things without any fanfare, and the, the impact that it can have can be lasting. When, when Hashem, when God gave Aaron HaKohen the the gift or the privilege of lighting the menorah, he wasn't just giving him, he was telling him, your job is going to be greater than the sacrifices of the Naseum, of these leaders of the tribes. Because although there had been a major celebration, there had been pomp and fanfare, appropriately so for the inauguration of the Mishkan, of the tabernacle. And he did not have, he was not part of the grand celebration. He was not invited to, to be part of all the, the extravagance. But Hashem told him, your job, which I'm going to give to you, is more important than what they did. Because you're going to have the job of lighting a menorah, day in and day out. And that's something, maybe there's not so much fanfare involved in it. Maybe there's not so much publicity in it. But it's going to be something forever. It's going to be something for eternity. And many times, when it comes to our own actions, we, we tend to forget That it's the small things that we do day in and day out that have a major ramification in our life. You know, sure, it's good to do exciting things and fun things, but it's the routine of doing good things that's what's going to make a difference, right? If a person one time in in his life gives a tremendous amount of money, right? And there's a major amount of publicity that is attached to it. And then... He goes back to being himself or whatever it is. That's not necessarily going to change him. But if a person does a small action of doing a mitzvah that no one knows about, <clears throat> or he goes to shul every day, or he learns a little bit every day, that small action is going to have a major ramification for his, his or hers own life, and it's going to affect him for eternity. And it's just something that we need to have an outlook that is important to, to, just to, to keep in our mind because sometimes, especially in our generation, everything is about sound bites and Im- viral images and we just tend to forget that that's fake, it's not real. Real life is the grind. It's giving your best every day, day in and day out with these small actions. And nobody else necessarily knows about it except it's between you and God. And ultimately, as, for our growth as a person and for our growth as Jews and for as, our growth to get closer to Hashem, it's the small things which are going to make a huge difference in the long run. And it's just something we should keep in mind. And I thought that just one idea that we can get from this week's Parsha, Baloscha. Another thought which I want... Another thought which... Another thought which I wanted to share today is regarding the the Pesach Sheni. In this week's parsha, the Torah gives the commandment to the Jewish people to sacrifice the Pesach Sheni, which is the paschal lamb. Now, you might ask me, why are we talking about a paschal lamb, a Pesach Sheni, right after Pesach? Pesach happened already. Why is there a second Pesach offering? Now, the explanation that is given is that since that there were people during the time of, of the Exodus, during the time of Yetzias Mitzrayim, that were ritually impure because they had carried the bones of Yosef HaTzadik, they'd carried the bones of Joseph, they were unable to perform the mitzvah of Karbon Pesach to offer this the, the Pesach offering. And therefore they were not able to do that mitzvah. And they came to Moshe and they said to him, why should we lose out? We were doing what we were supposed to be doing. So we should be able to do the mitzvah. We should be able to give the Karbon Pesach. And Moshe tells them, okay, I'm going to ask God what to do. And Hashem commands them that they should give the Karbon Pesach, the Pesach Sheni, again, a second time. Which is it's it's given it, Pesach Sheni is a month after Pesach. It's the fifteenth of of Iyar, and even though there are even though a person is is allowed to eat chametz, there are different you know it's it's not exactly the same as the first carbon Pesach, but rather um, it shares certain halachos. Uh, but either way, it's we see this we see clearly that people who who weren't able to do the mitzvah. Now they had a second chance to perform the mitzvah of Pesach Sheni. And the question that's asked is, we do not see anywhere else in the Torah that if a person misses a, a mitzvah, which is from the Torah, a biblical mitzvah, that they're able to get a second chance. That even if they were, miss something and they have a good reason, that they can make it up. You know, sure, there is, a, there is a, there's such a thing when it comes to davening, when it comes to praying, that you're able to make up a lost prayer. but that's that's rabbinic. We're, we don't see we don't see anywhere that a person has the ability to make up a biblical mitzvah. Once you miss it, you miss it and that's it. right? Obviously, sometimes a person is considered a onase. He is obviously he, he there's things out of his control and therefore he's not held liable for not doing the mitzvah. Other times a person, is held liable for, for not doing it when he could have done it, right? But the carbon Pesach was for somebody who was an ones who was not able to do the mitzvah. But we even in that situation, we never see it. So the question is, why is it different? What was different about the carbon Pesach, right? That the people had a second chance to perform the mitzvah. So the answer that is given is the fact that since the Jewish people wanted to do the mitzvah with their whole essence, with their whole self, and they wanted it so badly to just do the mitzvah, right? They felt that, why should we lose out? The, the wording of the Torah is lama nigara. Why should we lose out? We were doing what we were supposed to be doing. So since they just purely wanted to do what Hashem wa- wanted them to do, and they wanted to fulfill the mitzvah, so therefore Hashem granted them the ability to perform the mitzvah. And the lesson that we can take from this is that many times... We we look at mitzvos and Torah learning and different parts of our Judaism as obstacles. Sometimes we, we, look, we think to ourselves, you know, I would like to do this mitzvah. I would like to learn more Torah, but I'm just not able to for this reason or that reason or for whatever reason. So the Torah is giving us a clear message that when we really want to do something, you know, we're gonna do it. And that's, uh, you know, the joke they say, everybody doesn't have money except for the things they have money for, right? Because there's certain things, things that are important to people, they have money for. And the same thing can be said when it comes to our time and effort and energy. I'm not saying people don't have challenges when it comes to different things they want to do and things that hold them back, right? Everybody has a Yetzirah, the evil inclination. But the idea is if we sincerely have a desire to do what is right, to do mitzvot, and to learn, and to get close to Hashem. And you know what? We need a plan. We want. We have a plan to do it. God is going to give us the ability to see the plan come to fruition. Meaning we have to take the first step. We have to do what we can do. Ultimately, success is not in our hands, but that doesn't mean that we can just sit back and say, ah, oh, I can't do it. So the idea that we learn here is the fact that When a person really wants to do something, and he truly, truly wants it, he needs to give his best and God will help him succeed. And we know that it's brought down that if somebody opens his heart up to Hashem, up to God, the size of a needle, God will open it up like the the size of an entranceway. And it's something we need to keep in our minds when it comes to our outlook and growth and spirituality. So, with that, I'm going to finish for the Practical Parsha podcast. I hope you enjoyed this first episode. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me at rabbishlomokom with a K at gmail.com. Everyone, have a great day.